0: everyone. Welcome to the Psychology of Dating podcast. You're listening to Nadine Newkirk and I'm both a clinical psychologist and dating coach. For today's episode, I want to share three key lessons I learned when I did a yoga teacher training. Before we jump into that, I'd really appreciate if you could jump on whichever podcast hosting site you're on, whether it's Apple or Spotify or Google or wherever it is, um, and give a quick star rating. That would be super helpful. Okay, so lessons I learned from doing a yoga teacher training. So back in 2015, and I was shocked when I saw that. I was like, wow, that is nearly 10 years ago. That is wild. Um. I was traveling and I decided to do yoga teacher training in India. So it was down the south in a state called Kerala and it was a very small village surrounded by coconut palm trees everywhere, Um, very green, very lush, very humid and moist. And it was located in an ashram, which was four different levels and I think there was about up to around twenty five people doing the yoga teacher training. So we did it for one month, and it was really intense days. So I if I'm trying to remember exactly, we woke up pretty early, I think it was around five thirty in the morning, did half an hour of meditation, started the morning with two and a half hours of yoga, then you got breakfast. Then you did things like philosophy classes or karma yoga, which was like raking the garden or things like that. Um, We also had two and a half hours of yoga again in the evening, so um, afternoon. So it was about five hours of yoga each day. Uh, and after that then there was anatomy classes or more kind of meditation or chanting or Ayurvedic classes and you went to bed at 10 p.m <laughs> fully exhausted and that was six days a week and you got one day off to kind of explore and go around or go on excursions. So it was a really intensive training for one month and although it was nearly 10 years ago there are some key things that I remember from it that were really helpful, that were lessons and these can be applied to the dating experience. So I'll kind of share the lessons and then how they might apply to what you're doing in dating. So the first lesson was everyone is unique and don't compare. And I know that we've heard this before, but it is such a trap. So in the yoga teacher training, it was quite routine, quite consistent each day. We would have fairly, those different meals each day, but it was kind of around similar um, types of food. So, it was vegetarian, we had lots of rice, lots of coconut, vegetables put into, uh, you know, flatbreads or um, curries or chutneys, um, variations of kind of similar vegetables and things like that. And What I noticed was some people really thrived from that meal and diet. (laughs) So some people were like, I felt the most energetic I've ever felt. I felt, um, you know, I can think more clearly. I've um, got that energy. I can sleep better. And then there were some other people on the complete opposite spectrum. One person became anemic, (laughs) that they really needed um, kind of more sources of iron in their diet. I love the food, found it really tasty. I also became very, very bloated. <laughs> A lot of that rice somehow continued to bloat my stomach. And so you couldn't say that there's just one perfect 100% meal that's going to be 100% perfect for all these 25 people in the training, that everyone was kind of unique in the way that their bodies worked and um, they digested food. There might be some similarities, but there were also differences. There were also differences in the yoga and the positions that people could do. So it varied from some people had only done a handful of yoga sessions in their life, other people had been practicing 10 years, you know, religiously every day. Um, And at first, I was comparing myself to someone who had been practicing over and over again and were really far and more advanced than I was. Um, She was doing what's called crow pose to headstand which is basically where you kind of crouch down and you're just balancing your legs on your arm so you're only balancing on your hands and then you put your head down and go straight up into a headstand It's a lot big balancing trick Anyway, I couldn't even do a headstand yet. So comparing myself to that, of course, I was you know going to have criticism or you know, be able to fall down because I wasn't actually giving myself the steps to get to that stage. I was thinking I just need to be there. I need to be at the pinnacle. Um, whereas when I compared myself just to myself, at the beginning of the training, I was terrified of doing any type of headstand and doing the practice day by day – I built muscle memory. I started to learn the headstands actually more about engaging your abs and actually trying to flick your legs up. And within a week, I was able to do a headstand, which was I never would have predicted I could do that. And so when I came back to just comparing where I'm at now each day by day, that's where I could see momentum and growth. Whereas when I compared to people well above me, that's where I felt disappointed or self criticism or kind of letting myself down. Another way that everyone is unique is everyone has a different life experience and body type and body shapes and bone structure and things like that. So they showed us a video in the yoga training where no matter how much someone stretched, if you had two people who stretched the exact same amount, one person compared to another might not be able to do that position ever in their lifetime. Like for example, if you're sitting, um, not cross-legged, but you have your soles of your feet together and your knees kind of flopping out to the sides. Some people naturally have, you know, the tissues, the bone structures, the proportions where their knees can sit flat on the ground. Mine could never do that. <laughs> and other people, just because of differences in bone structure, those proportions, even if they stretched. 10 hours every day for five years, they would never get those knees down because that's not what, you know, their body has a different design, a different shape. And again, that was really helpful in the yoga teacher training because some poses, if you're like in Downward Dog, for example, some people's proportions mean that actually they have way more weight on their arms and Downward Dog is not a rest pose at all. It's really hard and strenuous and they're sweating. For other people, just from their body shape, they can relax into dog's pose. Downward dog, and they actually, you know, can chill out there. (laughs) So, in dating, this relates where thinking about who you're comparing yourself to. So, different people that you can compare could be on social media. Again, where you're just getting a kind of shiny snippet, and you're not actually seeing all that's happening behind the scenes. You might be comparing yourself to movies, again, where it's like a manufactured plot. It can be comparisons in your own imagination. Imagination. I was once kind of saying to a friend, oh, you know, on weekends, sometimes I think of all, this is back when I was single, I think of all my friends in relationships and it makes me feel down, that comparison. And she came in and did a little bit of fact check with what my imagination was doing. She was like, what do you think that me and my husband are doing on a weekend? And I was like, oh, you know, all these romantic nights, laughing and going on fun dates and all these things. She was like, no, in reality, most of the time they're you know in one bedroom looking at sports. (laughs) I'm in the other room watching a chick flick, like it's not so glamorous and, um, you know, put on this shiny pedestal as your imagination can put it. So really being cautious about what types of social media might be comparing to, what type of things you're making up in your imagination, those comparisons that aren't actually based in fact and truth, um, you know, what storylines from movies and things have we kind of absorbed over the years and they have become problematic Um, and it's also helpful to think about why we're comparing because usually it's telling us signaling, I feel like I'm missing something or I want to get there. And so we could use the function of why we're comparing to help us in dating. So it could be looking at, okay, why am I comparing? Is it that person's in a different place and I want to know how to get there. So like that girl could do that crow to headstand move. I would need to know what are my sticking points like, can I do those poses? What are the steps that I'm at that I need to work on? Maybe I'm unsure of what skills I need to help me get there. Or maybe I know the skills and I know the steps and my sticking points, but maybe I don't quite know how to execute it, how to, how to proceed. Maybe my motivation's lacking, or maybe I'm too scared. Maybe there's something holding me back. So it's really important to look at, you know, when you're comparing, what's the reason behind it? And then actually come back to something that's effective that you can do in your own life with the stage that you're at with your unique situation. Okay, second lesson from the yoga teacher training. So a key theme when we were doing the philosophy classes in the yoga training, there was a big, big theme around expectations and mindset. And how this is really important to how we experience situations and whether we can enhance more joy or we can exacerbate kind of despair or unhappiness. The teacher in the philosophy class talked to us about a story which shows what can happen with expectations. So imagine that you are waiting at a bus stop and your expectation is you're waiting The bus will come on time and you get to where you need to get to. So there's four different things that can happen with that expectation. One is your expectation could be met. The bus could come on time. You get to where you get to. The second is your expectation could be let down. Maybe the bus is late. Maybe it's full with people and drives straight past you. Maybe you're on your phone and you forgot to hail the bus. (laughs) Definitely happened to me. Um, your expectation could be exceeded. So maybe you're standing at the bus stop waiting for the bus and then your close friend drives past in a Ferrari car or limousine or horse and cart or whatever is like, you know, most beautiful mode of transport for you and says, hop in, I'm headed your way and, you know, we have heaps of time because now you can get there quicker and, you know, I'm going to shout you a coffee. So it can be exceeded or something completely unexpected can happen. So your expectation can be you know, completely thrown off, not necessarily good or bad, but it's just completely unexpected. Um, maybe you're waiting at the bus stop and a bus comes and it's a brand new type of bus and you've never seen that one before. So there's four different things that can happen without expectations. And it's normal and natural for our mind to produce expectations. When you go on a date... Our mind kind of starts to imagine based on the pictures or chat with someone on an app what that day will be like, what your hopes are, but it's really important to know that it's okay to have these expectations, but how we manage when one of those four outcomes occurs is the key to whether we can increase suffering or whether we can manage it more easily. So, for example, at the yoga teacher training Everyone came into the training with different expectations of what it would be like. I had an expectation that when we did the yoga classes, that each lesson would be different. We'd be doing different poses, different flows. That's what I was used to in the yoga um, studios back in Australia. And I soon realized in the first week that the two and a half hours in the morning, the two and a half hours in the afternoon every day, so twice a day, was the exact same routine, exact same poses. We didn't mix up anything. And at first, my expectation was let down because I was like, I'm gonna get bored. I can't believe I'm not gonna learn anything. This is, you know, I wanted it to be the same as back home. And so I was trying to fight that reality. Um, And I was getting really frustrated and annoyed and complaining to people. The thing is though that our minds they're not very good predictors of what actually brings us growth or learning or happiness. That sometimes we can find something's really annoying but actually it can be we can find out that that was a stepping stone to something that was really beneficial to us later down the track. So with that same routine that happened over and over as I said after one week I was able to do a headstand and I realized that actually By doing the same poses, I could really concentrate on each micro step in that pose, and I got a whole lot of growth. It also meant that I really internalized how to do the poses, and although we only practiced teaching a yoga class twice in the yoga teacher training in the month, by the time I got home, I could very easily run a class. Um, I practiced on friends and family. And found that I had knew those poses so well that I could just kind of make up a routine very easily. So although at first my expectations was let down, there were some benefits that actually came from it as well. And sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes our expectations let down <laughs> and it really is painful. And the key here is remembering that when, you're ex- when you have an unexpected outcome for your expectation or you have a problem, then you need to either focus on what you can change or accept what you can't. And that's where we get into a bit of trouble with unnecessary suffering, where if something happens in dating that's disappointing or unexpected, someone you know doesn't want to continue on dates with us and we really wanted to, if we're not able to accept that and we keep trying to fight that reality, then we're prolonging the suffering. And this is where it's really helpful when you're starting to date someone to clarify expectations with them as you go. Because if you've been dating for a while or you have a picture of how you want a relationship, you've got this kind of future relationship in your head. And we might assume that someone wants the exact same thing. And we might see from their actions, we think, yep, they're thinking the exact same, but we can never jump in their head and actually know if that's the case. So it can be really common for people to assume that someone else is just dating them because they're like, well, we're hanging out heaps. They're acting as if we're in a relationship. So they must want um, you know, a monogamous, monogamous exclusive relationship just like me but they've never actually spoken about it with the person. It's really important to actually have those conversations and clarify the expectations. And sometimes we avoid that because we don't want our expectations to be let down. The thing is, though, once we actually know the information and if we know, okay, this person actually really just wants casual or, you know, doesn't want to be an exclusive connection It's disappointing, it's not where we want it to head, but then you have the information and then you can make an informed choice with that. And it can be painful in the moment, but what's more painful is just assuming expectations from someone else and finding out months later and realizing that you could have spent those months searching for someone else who's on the same page. And with expectations, if you are focusing on the part of change what you can in your dating experience to kind of shift and mold how dating pans out, knowing that you can have some influence in your control, but you can't have all of it. There's a lot of things outside of your control. But if you're trying to focus on the things within your control, it's also really important to make it effective change. So I'll go through a story again that one of the teachers in the ashram shared with us. Imagine you've got a dark night, and you come across a, um, a person who's bent over under a street lamp, looking down, kind of frowning, looking quite concerned. You're like, Are you okay? They're like, No, I lost my keys. <laughs> I need to find them. So you start searching. You're scouring all under the street lamp, looking around where he's looking. Soon some passers-by come and they join in to help with the search, or everyone's looking for the key. And then after, you know, half an hour an hour, can't find anything. You you turn to the man, you're like, where did you last see your key? And he's like, oh, why over there, back in the dark? <laughs> you're like, oh my gosh, why are we looking here under the street lamp? And he says, well, here it's easier to see. <laughs> and So sometimes we can kind of be trying to take shortcuts in life. And we're doing maybe intentional or unintentional avoidance of things that are a bit more difficult or a bit more challenging. And that can happen in dating, that you might be searching to find someone. So you might be kind of jumping on the apps and swiping, but never actually asking someone on a date. So that might be the equivalent of like going into the dark spot, the scary spot, because you're afraid of rejection or it feels too hard or not sure if you like anyone, there's all these doubt thoughts, kind of lots of barriers in the way. That's the kind of dark patch of searching for the keys there. That feels too hard. So what we do is we kind of just aimlessly swipe and just hope that, you know, it eventually happens. And it's really important in dating to look at, okay, not just trying to skip through the shortcut to the easiest route, because sometimes even though it seems hard and seems scary, you're going to get the most results. It's going to be most effective. And the more you have momentum, then that can build confidence, build self-esteem. It can actually improve your dating experience. And we don't know how long it can take in dating. It could take a week, several months, several years. And to help you through that journey you want to make sure that it's actually fruitful and effective. The final lesson I want to share from my time at the yoga teacher training is that the environment around you and the people around you matter when you're doing something hard or something challenging. So when I was in that month of the yoga teacher training, I was in a shared dorm room with four other young people and there was other different rooms, so rooms where you could have just one person or two people, you know, different people in the rooms. And I remember my friend telling me who I'd made, she was in like a single room by herself. She was like, You were really lucky to be in the room with the people you were with, because the people I was with were <laughs> we were constantly laughing. <laughs> they were constantly in awe of things, and they, they were the type of a glass half full or kind of help you know, help you when you're down or, you know, help give you a new skill if you're struggling with a yoga pose. So I remember one time we were all brushing our teeth um, in the bathroom. So it was like one little shared bathroom in next to the room. And then one person had gone outside to brush their teeth and like squealing with excitement. <laughs> we ran out and there was like glow worms everywhere. And that was a really magical experience. Um, I remember one time I yelled out, I was like, oh my God, the water's warm because we only had a bucket to shower with and it was always cold. And in the month, I think there was one or two times where it was warm and then everyone was cheering. They're like, yay, warm water. Um, That also, I went traveling with a couple of people afterwards and we had this idea of after the yoga training, we're like, okay, we've, you know, Done all this cleansing. We just want to go to a beach place. We want to have a cocktail, and maybe even have a pizza—a so bit of a different food after a month—and go to the beach. And when we got there, it was not what we expected in our head. Uh, the beach water was quite brown. Um, there was, you know, quite a lot of rubbish. Uh, the restaurants were there was not many restaurants to eat at. They were kind of all half being built. Um, and there was, wasn't any cocktails around. (laughs) So, but what we did is we were constantly laughing kind of making the most of the moment, you know, use kind of the patio of where we're staying to do yoga. And it, it didn't, wasn't a bother that it wasn't as we expected, but there were some other people in the yoga teacher training who were really struggling with the experience. Like I was at the beginning with my expectations around trying to do a new routine every time. And They were focusing on, you know, this is different to what I expected. They were comparing it to what they, you know, that shiny kind of imagination, what they thought in their head. And it was hard for them to be in the moment and kind of experience the things that, you know, they might have been appreciating or might have found really kind of beautiful, magical experiences. So the people that I was with in the room, they helped bring that out for me. Whereas I know if I'd been in a room where people were struggling more, that, I would start to get into more my complaining mind and things like that. So when you're in dating, thinking about this as a longer journey and if you're dating for a year, what who are the type of people that you want to share dating experiences with? Share the ups, share the downs. You want someone who's validating, who you know allows you to have your emotions, who's non-judgmental, maybe someone who brings some ease. Uh, You know, they can make a bit of humor or lightness of the situation so it doesn't always feel so dark and heavy. I remember when I was dating uh, my flatmate at the time, I was on an app and I was like, this might sound strange, but um, (laughs) I'm enjoying chatting to this person who's like, I think they were like six years younger than me. I was like, I don't know, should I go on a date with them? Um, And she was like, do it. She was like, best case scenario, you have a great connection. Worst case scenario, we can laugh at it when you get home. And I thought that was just a really nice, light-hearted way to frame it, that you don't need to make it so serious, doesn't need to be so, you know, thought out, and you know, if it goes wrong, then it's all my fault and I should have known that yeah, go. We don't know what's gonna happen, and we can have a bit of a laugh later. So thinking about which friends do you want to share with or family? Or maybe You know, you notice that there's some people where you share your experiences and you feel worse afterwards. And could you connect with someone where you can learn some more skills or have that validating experience? Maybe it's a therapist. Maybe it's a coach. Maybe it's a friend. Okay, everyone. Thank you for listening. I'll speak with you next time.